0: You know what I don't like? Shopping for razors. Mostly because I have a very nasty beard and uh, hair builds up on the lower end of it. My neck, my neck beard. And most razors I buy, they don't give it very good of a, let's say a shape. They mostly just cut off my face. Anyway, what I do like is Harry's. You know, I was thinking to myself the other day, when did shaving get so incredibly expensive? I was paying a fortune. store-bought razors until our friends at Harry's sent me some of their blades. Here's where Harry's comes in. Harry's makes their own high-quality German-engineered blades for a close, comfortable shave. No cuts or burns. And they sell these blades at factory-direct prices, shipping directly to your door at half the price of leading brands. Over one million guys have already made the switch, and thousands more switch every day. The Harry's starter set is an amazing deal. For just $15, you get a razor, moisturizing shave cream, and three razor blades. Harry's doesn't like to discount because their prices are already really low, but we've worked out a special offer for you guys. Harry's will give you $5 off your first order with promo code WT. That stands for what's tech. So stop overpaying for a great shave, go to harrys.com right now, that's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com, enter code W-T at checkout, and get rid of that neckbeard today. So about six years ago, I'd been living in Japan
1: for about a year or so, and I'd really gotten into photography. It's a beautiful country. There's lots of interesting things. Um, You can see why. But I got this awesome Sony camera. It was the first Sony mirrorless camera. And it was just, to me, this crazy futuristic gadget. I loved the thing and I took it everywhere. I was taking these great, or what I thought were great, digital shots. And it was just a great moment in my life. I had this beautiful digital camera. Life was great. But I had this friend and she kept telling me, you know, you would have a lot more fun and you would take better pictures if you were shooting film. This was just mind-blowing to me, the idea that anyone would step back to the days of film voluntarily. Like, it's expensive, right? You can't see what you're shooting. You have to go somewhere and wait to get the pictures back. Just why would you do that? But my friend, she also had a nice digital camera too, and she said that was gathering dust, so I figured she must have some reason for having this bizarre opinion. So one day I was going to Kyoto with some friends and before meeting them at the station I stopped off at her bookstore and I picked up a Holger camera for about 30 bucks, about 5,000 yen and it's a super cheap, low quality plastic film camera and I was just thinking what what do I have to lose? And so I started using it around Kyoto and like a weird thing happened. The Holger has no electronics inside it at all, it's a totally mechanical camera and this fact of using it, it, it made me kind of acutely aware of what was happening inside. I'd, I'd press the shutter and I'd feel this janky spring behind it, the resistance on it, and I'd be winding the film on myself. But I got this sense that I was really manipulating the light itself onto the film. I, I felt that I was in control of, of light. And of course, I, I didn't know how well any of these photos were turning out, but it just felt really cool and I was having fun. Then I got home to Osaka and a couple of days later I went to this one hour photo lab. I got the pictures back and wow, I was just floored. It's not that these were great photos, like I didn't take them very well at all and the quality of the camera was not good. But I looked at these photos and everyone I looked at really directly evoked the moment that I pressed the shutter in a way that I just never felt with digital. You know, like, because you don't want to waste film, you think a lot about each shot. The kind of, the side product of that is that each shot ends up meaning a whole lot more. Uh, however good the exposure is, however well you frame it or whatever, you just really feel the meaning of each photo. I still get that rush every time I get pictures back today, and that's why I've been hooked on film photography ever since.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to What's Tech, a podcast from TheVerge.com. I'm your humble host, Christopher Thomas-Plant, and today I'm joined by my friend, my colleague, Mr. Sam Byford, news editor at The Verge, uh, who, who lives not in the United States. Uh, I guess you kind of hit this on the beginning of your story. Where, where do you live?
1: Uh, well, I live in Tokyo,
0: Japan now, but I've oh. lived in various places in Japan for the last uh, seven years. And uh, this makes you interesting, both because you have a perspective that I don't, but also because you have uh, access to the new 3DS small one with the nice cases. Which Is you that have... not coming out in the U.S.? Sir? No, we, we have it now, but you had it oh. a whole year and a half ahead of me, oh, and you voted about it, and you had the <laughs> Sega games, and this isn't what we're here to talk about. Uh, but yeah. maybe it's finally a chance for me to exercise my beefs that I have with you. <laughs> <laughs> one, one episode at a time. Um, we're talking about film. We're talking about photographic film. You messaged me about this. You are like, hey, I have a piece of technology that we should talk about. And I was like, great. And you were like, film. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Cling film. Like- <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, let, let's start from the top. What is photographic film? Because I'm a dullard uh, who has, you know, been raised in the era of digital film. uh, And what happens inside that little role uh, when it's inside of a camera, it confuses me uh, and I don't fully get it.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I'm also of the age raised in digital um, and the kind of mechanics of film is really not a thing that I thought about ever, but you know, when you get into it, you kind of learn about it and, basically photographic film is the way you took a photo before digital cameras came along. And it's the way that some people still do today. Um, As a product, it's basically a thin sheet of plastic. It's covered in a gelatin emulsion. Um, And this, this emulsion has little, this is going to sound crazy, but it's tiny crystals and the crystals are sensitive to light and light is what a photograph is made of, right? The the word photograph means uh, drawing with light. Um, and so, if photography is drawing with light, film is kind of the canvas on which on which the light is is projected.
0: Wow, you just, it just hurt my head. It was around the time <laughs> that we got to crystals that I was like, "Wait yeah. until we get onto the developing part." <laughs> oh okay. <so. laughs> okay. Well, how, when, and how uh, was photographic film first created?
1: So, well, before film came along. It, film isn't the first way to make a photo. Before film came along, there were some really inconvenient ways to take photos. There was the daguerreotype in the early, mid-1800s, and that involved a, a copper sheet. Um, and then there were some other processes where, where you projected the image onto a big piece of glass, and those kind of actually stuck around for a while because it was higher quality than film at first. But um, early film kind of came around the 1880s, Um the film, as we think of it, like the, the little roll that was invented by um, the, the founder of Kodak, um, which Eastman Kodak uh, later became Kodak. And those rolls were paper and then they kind of moved to plastic a little soon after. And that was really when you just saw photography become a mainstream, accessible, practical thing for regular people, kind of the late 19th, early 20th century.
0: How how does, uh, let's say modern film, because obviously there are uh, all different types, uh, as you just mentioned. How does film, as most people think of it, work inside of the camera to, I guess, draw with light? See, I'm learning. <laughs> you are.
1: Uh, well, the, the principle actually hasn't really changed since it was introduced. Um, basically, if, if you look at a film camera, all of the main controls are devoted to manipulating the light and kind of uh, dictating how it uh, reflects onto the film. So you have your lens, and that obviously uh, controls the framing of the photo based on how you're pointing it, um, as well as which parts are in focus. And then you have the shutter speed, and this is super important for film because it dictates how long the film is exposed to the light. So generally, if you're taking um, a photo in the sunlight, you're going to want a very fast shutter speed to limit the amount of light, whereas if you're at night you want a long shutter speed to kind of let more light into the camera. And there are some other controls, but like that's kind of, those are the main things. And once the photo is taken, once the light has entered that box of the camera, the chemicals in the film have been kind of irreversibly altered in a way that you can later develop into a scannable, printable image.
0: Okay, when I was in high school, I took... I don't even know what it would be called. Film class. I had to use a dark room at one point. We also did CAD drawing in this class, which shows how (laughs) out of date they must have thought film was. They're like, first you'll learn how to do CAD on Apple Twos, and then you'll go in a dark room and give that a try. And it it just didn't. It never worked for me. I I didn't. I wouldn't say I (laughs) failed the class. I wouldn't say I passed it. Uh, How how what is going on there? Other than, you know, bathing things, uh, paper and some, some substance, turning on a red light and then like finding out who the murderer was in the unsolved <laughs> crime case. So, yeah, I mean, you know, there may be
1: co-workers uh, of a more scientific bent than I who can explain the chemistry better than me because it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty complicated. But basically, there are kind of different types of baths that your film can take depending on its type. And the photo that you took, like when when the exposure was made in the camera, that that's kind of latent in the image crystals. So it's not, it hasn't turned into the photo yet, but it's it's recorded and it, it's there. And so the develop the developing solution, like the thing that you bathe the film in, that reacts with the exposed part of the images. So the bits that kind of the light hit the film on. Uh, and there are other, well, and so then you have to rinse the film, and then the the parts that weren't exposed. Like, so the shadows, I guess, for most of the time, they have grains that need to be removed. And then you, you have to wash the whole thing and hang it up on the clothesline. And that is how you get your negative, which is what you what's used to print the image on photo paper. But like all, all of this can be different if you're using black and white film or slide film. Like the the, the process is completely different. The chemicals are different. There's different orders and steps. And you, like, this is the thing. I honestly don't know too much about how it works. And it really feels like a kind of magic sort of technology to me. You know, for, like far more than digital image sensors, which are more advanced and they're amazing. And, you know, companies like Sony do wonderful things every year to advance uh, how we take digital images. But like. I get them. I, I know how they work. Um, film is kind of like witchcraft, and that kind of makes it a bit more special.
0: <laughs> it's funny that you said that, because when you said uh, the image is stuck in the crystals, all I can think of is, how is this not how it's being marketed? How has somebody not <laughs> right. come forward and been like, we've invented something new. It's called crystal capture. We capture your <laughs> essence in crystals. And everybody's like, crap, I need, yeah. I need to get me some of that crystal money like that's the real deal um let's talk about the 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 keepers of the crystals uh who are the big players in the photo film industry uh and and kind of what distinguished them from each other obviously i i know kodak yeah uh, but i think that's kind of where it begins and ends right
1: well i know that you know fujifilm as well right because oh yeah because i have i have a fujifilm
0: digital camera that i adore
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, well, Kodak was the first big one, um, and they definitely had the most market share around the world throughout um, most of the 20th century, really. Uh, Fujifilm came around a little bit later, uh, and they kind of really took off in the second half of the century. And Fujifilm always dominated Japan, which has is, is to this day one of the biggest uh, photography industries in the world. But Kodak was always more popular in the US, so there was, there was kind of a rivalry there. And it's not... But this is the thing, right, because they all make different kinds of film um, and the emulsions of the, you know, the the chemical makeup of the film is different, which gives you different results based on the the specific type of film you use. Like, it's not like today where you need to shoot Canon cameras or Nikon cameras because of your lens collection or whatever. You could you could you could choose this Kodak film and this Fuji film. And kind of pick and choose between them, so you know it wasn't like a zero sum game. But yeah, there was always this big rivalry between Kodak and Fujifilm, and some people would say, "Oh, I like Fujifilm for skin tones," and some people would be like, "Oh, but Kodak, if you want to shoot landscapes or whatever, that uh, it's it's just a kind of it's the same kind of you know uh, it's a feel, yeah, yeah, it's a feel, and it, it's and it's it's the same sort of nebulous argument that, that you see today in. in when people talk about cameras
0: this is funny to me because Kodachrome is like the the big filter in my Fujifilm camera like when I bought right. it people are like oh my gosh the Kodachrome yeah. looks so believable it, it's funny to me that what would be a selling point for a Fuji did digital film is that was Kodak right uh, well, yeah, that,
1: and you'll notice the uh, what do they call it in the menu? Classic Chrome, right? So uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think they, I don't think they could quite get away with calling it Kodak But if you, uh, but all, all of the other, well, almost all of the other ones in the in the Fujifilm digital cameras, they're based on actual Fuji films. So you have Provia, which was their uh, their kind of standard, generic like uh, high qual. It, it's the name of the high quality one, but it was a kind of generic. And then you have Velvia, which is very vivid colors for landscapes, and Astia, which is kind of soft for portraits. Um, so yeah, there were all these like sub brands that the um, that the companies sort of traded off and competed with.
0: Let, okay, let's let's get sad. Yeah, um, I guess this isn't sad for you because you still use film. But in my head, there came a point where film began to die off, and maybe this does affect you. I feel like I've read stories where where certain types of film just ceased to be made. Mm. Uh, can you talk about when that began to happen? And, I mean, is that a fair reading? It did, did, did parts of the film, photographic film industry, just die off altogether? Oh, yeah. I mean,
1: there's no question about it, right? Like the... Uh film camera sales were peaking and peaking and peaking throughout the 90s and then digital cameras came along and became affordable and film just fell off a cliff and now you go into a camera shop and chances are they don't even sell any film cameras at all right um in in Kodak's case it was really a classic example of disruption um you they had like some, something cheaper and lower quality but with a better user experience come it just comes along and really you know, blindsides the incumbent company. And and Kodak's position at the time was, well, uh, people will want to use film forever because it's higher quality. But they didn't realize that it wouldn't stay higher quality forever. And they didn't realize that um, it would be a better user experience in the 21st century when everyone wants to carry around, you know, screens in their pockets where they can look at photos whenever. Um, And the ironic thing is that uh, Kodak actually invented the digital camera. They invented it in the 70s, I think, 1975, something like that. Um, But they sidelined development. The guy that uh, worked on it just wasn't really allowed to because they were scared of cannibalization. And yeah, it's ironic because that was really what killed its main business of producing film and drove the company to bankruptcy. And if you look at Fujifilm, they adapted a lot better because Fujifilm made some great digital cameras throughout the 90s and 2000s, and they do today. And Fujifilm still produces... Fujifilm is basically the only big company left producing kind of consumer photographic film. You know, if, if I go into a camera shop in Japan, like it's, it, it's basically all Fujifilm, uh, where, you know, Kodak went bankrupt and they, they still make a lot of, uh, film for, um, movies. And there's been a lot of publicity about sort of how, you know, Quentin Tarantino and some of the film directors have kind of revived that side of things and agreed with Hollywood studios to, uh, struck a deal with Kodak to kind of like keep on producing the film. Um, but yeah, like it's it's it's
0: basically Fujifilm won, but it was a very uh, it wasn't it, a beautiful win. It was like two yes, so, bruisers just pounding the snot out of each other until yeah, some I third s- person walked in the ring and was like, "What <laughs> up?" <laughs> I see, like
1: I don't know, like every, uh, two or three times a year, Fujifilm sends out very sad press releases just saying, uh, <laughs> and uh, there are about you know, they're about three sentences long and they just say notification of increase in price on the following film products or or like we will no longer sell individual rolls of this film product. You can only buy a three pack, that kind of thing. And it's like, you can tell that they're kind of like holding on and uh, just just kind of oh. keeping on for the few strange people like me that continue to buy their film. But um, it, yeah, like it, it, the writing's very much on the wall. It's It's just a matter of like, when is it going to get too expensive and too impractical for people to carry on?
0: So I was going to ask you, like, is film having a comeback? But maybe that's not the right question?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've heard this too recently, and I wouldn't say it's a comeback, because I think a lot of people, I still think it's going to remain a niche activity, right? And that niche has certainly been a niche ever since... uh, Film died in the first place, you know. Like like companies like Lomography have been really popular for a while. You know, you can buy their cameras in any urban outfitters around the world, um, and it, it a lot of pro photographers still use film. You know, like it does. It does have certain qualities that. Um, uh, that you, it, you know, like it, there's debates over whether you can get it on digital or whether you really need film. I mean, but a lot, a lot of it's just part of the feel, right? It's like, um, it's it's like why wine companies still use corks instead of screw tops. You know, like the cork, the cork is a terrible piece of technology that destroys like a significant part of your wine, but it, it's just nicer to use it than the screw top.
0: Okay, so somebody wants to get into f- photographic film they've listened to this episode you have convinced them hands down Mm. uh they've actually changed their name to sam byford uh (laughs) they've cut off your fingerprints and they're taking your identity uh how how would they go about doing that well not 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 taking your identity but like getting into photographic film
1: yeah i'll uh i'll decline to offer information (laughs) on on that part uh I guess uh, it depends on the kind of photos they want to take and how serious they want to be about it. Um, they should decide what kind of uh, camera to use, I guess. Um, and there's a bunch of options there. Like my, my personal favorite kind of film camera are film compacts. And, you know, they're the equivalent of, you know, the cheap digital point-and-shoot, except that because it's, you know, if you're using 35mm film, that's the equivalent of a full-frame digital sensor today. So you can get some really... Awesome results from tiny little cameras, and you know you can pick them up for pretty cheap in you know used stores anywhere. And because they're the, they're the kind of things that people kind of, well, they're the kind of I, I guess a compact camera from the nineties. You know the stock was pretty high, so they're kind of easy to find. Um, yeah. Another popular choice for people getting into film is a uh, rangefinder, and rangefinders are kind of it, they don't really exist. Uh, digitally like apart from Leica who makes you know seven thousand uh, dollar digital rangefinders, they kind of don't really exist in a true form and the reason they're cool on film is that they have this neat focusing mechanism where you kind of like overlap two images together in the viewfinder and they they get really great results from a pretty compact package with interchangeable lenses or sometimes fixed um, so that you know that's that's kind of a good way to get into film for uh, someone who wants like a really different shooting experience. And you know that's kind of probably one of the better reasons to get into film, right? To like to feel differently about your photography than you could do with a digital camera. But you know, otherwise there are there's there's the same options. There's like SLR cameras, and they they well, yeah. So the thing about film SLRs is that uh, they're actually easier to use than compact film cameras. Whereas in in digital, you know, people think that. A compact digital camera is, everything's automatic and it's an easy thing to use, whereas DSLR is like a big, complicated thing with lots of of buttons and switches and modes. But in film, uh, the advantage of using an SLR is because you get the viewfinder and you get to see exactly through the lens. It really helps you kind of frame and focus the shot um, because obviously you can't check on the back of the screen, you know? Like, you can't see what you're actually shooting with a film camera. So film SLRs are a good option if you want to get into film and feel confident about what you're actually shooting you know so it's kind of it, it really depends there's a ton of options um but like the, the biggest problem for getting into film today is where you get it developed and how you uh, how you actually get your photos and I think I'm kind of charmed in Japan because a lot of it's super easy just to get your film developed in a lot of places today uh you you may know better than I about the situation in the US like where do you know where you would go get to film? get your film developed in Austin.
0: No, my mother-in-law got some film developed from like a drugstore recently. And it came back looking like it had been printed off of like a color printer from 1998. It looked horrible. Um, and I don't know if that's like, maybe there's a digitization process or something that, and how they develop now, uh, I guess cut corners. I, I, I honestly don't know anything about it, but all I can say is the most recent uh, real world film that I came in contact with was hideous. And it looked like bad digital camera work. Yeah, maybe just a bad
1: scan, I guess.
0: Yeah, maybe. yeah. I am sure there are places to do it, but I uh, I, I don't think like the kind of 24-hour photos or whatever it is, or one-hour yeah. photo, whatever. I it, it, it was a thing at a time. Um yeah, I, I don't even know where I would start. Luckily, I have my Fuji digital camera. Yeah.
1: Well, so w- one option that I do, I do know of is uh, Lomography, which makes a lot of uh, toy cameras and also some pretty cool cameras. Um, they have a kind of mail-in service where you can just, like, send your film off to them and they develop it and then send you back the prints or a CD or you can see them online or whatever. Um, and, you know, they're a company that knows you know, the whole business is about film and so they know what they're doing in terms of developing it and scanning it with care and so on. And because it's mail order, you know, obviously you have to wait a bit longer, but it works from wherever you are in the US. So that's, that's, that's always an option if someone like is really stuck for finding a place.
0: I think, I think this is all helpful. I think somebody walks away from this knowing fully how to get into photographic film, and steal your identity. And I think that's really what we came here for Ooh, today. Wait, did I, did I say that bit? Oh. Anyway, thank <laughs> you for joining me on today's episode of One Tech Sam? <laughs> and and thank you all for listening. Thank you to Andrew Marino, our producer, who does the uh, all, really all the hard work. I just show up. Uh, and thank you to our sponsor. Today's episode was brought to you by Colony FM, busy bees, and you know who you are, have no time to read. That's why you should buzz your way toward Colony FM. Colony lets you listen to voice actor narrated blogs and articles so you never have to bother with reading again. Instead of robots or Siri, Colony has real, living, flesh and blood people reading your news and blogs to you. Go to colony.fm tech to start listening for free today. And hopefully they have my stuff on there. I mean, I'd be flattered to have a flesh-and-blood person reading my stuff anyway. Well, uh, until next time, uh, you know where to find us. We're on TheVerge.com, on Twitter, at what Tech. Sam, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, my Twitter handle is 345Triangle, which I will not explain. Thank you. You <laughs> can <even> find us <laughs> on all podcasting platforms, including iTunes. Uh, we're going to try something different today. Instead of going and reviewing our show, which you could totally do if you wanted to do, uh, go and review another show that, uh, that we like. Uh, I recommend you check out Rose Buddies. It's a podcast about The Bachelorette. Well, actually, I guess The Bachelor this season. Starring uh, our friend Griffin McElroy from Polygon.com, a Vox Media sister site. Or Fighting in the War Room, my favorite uh, film podcast. Okay. Until next time, we'll see y'all later. Bye.